Welcome to the Life of Christ series 4, term 3. This is lesson 27. We left off on cha- in chapter 15 and on page 28. And I left off at this point on purpose last time. Jesus is talking about the different witnesses here. And um, we come now to one that he says in John 5.45, Do not think that I, sh- I shall accuse you to the Father. He says, There is one who accuses you, Moses in whom you trust. With this statement, Jesus now closes his discourse with an unexpected twist, and that is since the Jews prided themselves on their knowledge of the law, Jesus now turns from it, that is the law, to the great lawgiver himself, Moses, who they often boast to have a close connection to and claim to be disciples of, and says that in fact it is Moses himself who will be their accuser before God. This is a very powerful thing now. Let me read William Hendrickson's commentary. He writes, Again and again the Jews would appeal to Moses and would boast, We are disciples of Moses. Now that's in John 9.28. Now Jesus tells them that Moses, the constant object of their hope, to whose scriptures they were always appealing, whose instructions they debated and analyzed, with hair-splitting causatory, would actually prove to be their accuser. The reason being that in spite of all of their boasting about being his followers, they in reality did not believe him. We're going to see that a little bit more directly in, I think in verse 47 when we get to it. So let me just talk to you first of all about what's going on here. Remember, we, we looked at all the different witnesses that Jesus had. And we went from the inner witness that God himself was letting them know, but they just would not hear God. Amen. And we talked about John the Baptist, who also, the forerunner, who told of his coming, whom they received to a point. You know, again, these people seem to receive things that suit them, which I guess that's what happens to the body today as well. You know, we, we, as somebody said, we're not really word people. We seem to be favorite word people. You know, okay. Now, I do understand that sometimes people stay away from certain things in the scriptures because it's badly translated and the English version isn't the original version. And so it can get very confusing and sometimes it just sends us in a bit of a tailspin. And, uh, you know, which is, I, I, I sort of wonder whether that was part of the reason to begin with why, you know, like the Catholic Church said, well, don't try to read that stuff yourself, let us tell you what it says. Whether that was a part of the reason. Now, I know everything that starts out as a good thing ends up, you know, wherever there's a person involved, there's a problem. <laughs> you know, the reason is because we fell. If there was a perfect person on this planet, then we would receive a perfect in- interpretation. But there isn't one. Okay, and the only one that is perfect is Jesus Christ himself, who lives on the inside of us and who will give that to us if we're willing to receive it. Amen. You know, and that's another thing I found that People will interpret scriptures based on what they believe and what they want the scripture to say uh, and what they want to convince people the scripture says. Usually for their benefit. Usually. Okay, not always, but usually that's the case. Uh, Some people are just, you know, they just get something wrong. They just get it wrong, okay, because they 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 put too much uh, faith in maybe a a version or something. and, And so every word in that version they start preaching out of then you find half the words aren't there in the original. (laughs) So I've been around those mountains a couple of times. And because of that, I I understand that there are so many traps that we can fall into. And 
when we come, but when we come to this, what, what Jesus is now going to bring out is that he's saying, listen, there's one thing that these people pride themselves on. So he's gone through all the different witnesses up to this point, and he said, all right, let me give you one that you can't get away from. One that you are always quoting. One that you basically base all of your, not only beliefs on, but accusations against me on. Do you understand? Because they always say that he's breaking the law. Whose law? It, it's meant to be Moses' law, but it, it, in reality, what he's going to point out is it's no longer Moses' law, it's your own law. You, you know, if Moses came back, he would take a big stick and beat all of you. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. But you know what I'm trying to say, okay? <laughs> you know, because they've gone so far from what he actually said, that they are no longer basing all their beliefs in the right thing. It, is all, it has all become uh, uh, points of contention, arguments. It's basically like this. I'll give you an example. I was, I was praying about this and God gave me this example, so I'll give you this example. Let's say we were looking at Mark 11.23. We all know Mark 11.23 to a degree. Yeah, okay. All right, so it says, For whosoever shall say unto this mountain, you know, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, all that stuff. Now, what they would do is this. So they would take something, I thought I'll pick something we like. Okay? And show how we can go wrong. Or what they would do to it, as opposed to what we do to it. And also be careful that we don't do this stuff to it as well, okay? One of the things that, you know, people would do is take that and go, okay, you know, they'll say, oh, when they say whosoever, let's define whosoever. So they say, now is that whosoever, you know, believer, whosoever backslider, whosoever any person? So let's argue about that for half an hour or three days or three years. You know, let's talk about whosoever and argue about what you think, what I think, what everybody else thinks. And we'll spend ages talking about whosoever. Okay, and so finally we come to maybe some kind of conclusion that, okay, you can believe what you want and I'll believe what I... Because this is what always happens. They never land on anything. They always come to the stage of, well, this you know, rabbi says this and that rabbi says that about that. So we, we're siding with this rabbi's thoughts and you side with that rabbi's thoughts. So nothing gets you know, really uh, established. It's just more of a viewpoint. So that's the word whosoever. Okay, then we'll go on to shall say to this mountain. Now they'll be saying, now, is that a literal saying or is that a thinking saying? You know, do you have to actually speak words? You know, what, if, what happens if somebody can't speak words? I'm, I'm elaborating something here because I want you to see something that has gone wrong with what they're doing. So we argue about now, now, you know, is it a thought in the heart or is it actual speaking words? And if it's speaking words, what language is it? Can you do it in English? Can you do it in Arabic? Can you do it in Hebrew? It will only Hebrew work because that's the sacred language. If you say it in, you know, uh, some other language, will it actually work? Or, you know, will it be like, oh, no, that's not the language. God says, I don't know what they're talking about. Do you know what they're talking about? I don't know what they're talking about. So, you know, when they talk about say, it, is it in Hebrew, you know? So, can you see how we're going this? And so we talk about the mountain now, and that's where I'll stop, okay? <laughs> okay? I think you're getting the idea. So we take now, is it a literal mountain? Is it a physical mountain? And if it's a literal mountain, then which mountains are we talking about? Is it any mountain in the world? Or is it the mountains that are, you know, that are mentioned in scripture and all? See how we can get so caught up in it when, when, we're, when in actual fact, when we look at this, this isn't about discussing about the whosoever to such a degree that you come up with all your ideas and when we talk about saying we're not deciding on languages and everything, we are looking past all of that. That's why I said we need to see the spirit behind the scripture. That is what is important. 
So we look at that and understand that there is an utterance that needs to, to happen in order for the power of God to be released out of your heart in order to move mountains in your life. That's, that's, the, can I, okay, that's a really simple version, but that's kind of like the base version. That's, that's what should come out of that scripture. Not the, the fact of you know, languages and where the mountains are and all of that stuff. Because then you're getting so caught up in something that you are not actually exercising any faith. Do you, do you understand? It becomes something totally intellectual, and it's all in your head. There's nothing happening in here. No mountains are being moved while you're arguing. Okay. So I want to give you that example as we move on with this, because I want you to begin to understand what Jesus is saying and what he's pulling out. He is saying that you guys have had the word. All you have done with that is argue and change it to such a degree that it no longer reflects the heart from where it came. Its true and original meaning isn't there anymore. And the person that actually wrote it that understood its true and original meaning, if he was, if he was standing right here and he heard what you had to say about the stuff that he penned, he would be beating you over the head, so to speak. He would be saying, that is not what I said. That is not the, the spirit in which I said it. So in other words, the very person that they so proudly boasted to be associated with is the very person that will, in the end, stand up in outraged accusation and condemn them for their refusal to believe. And why Jesus goes on to say in uh, John 5.46, Now, if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. Did you get that? In other words, even though they pinned their hopes on Moses, they refused to do so on the one of whom Moses wrote about. So we believe Moses, but we don't want to believe what he wrote. Isn't that interesting? That they're willing to accept Moses as a great prophet, be called his followers, and yet not believe what he said. How can you be a follower of Moses and not believe what he says? Shouldn't that be the very core of following? (laughs) I mean, if if I'm following someone because of what they wrote, I'm following them because of what they wrote. Uh, amen? You know, I'm not following them. I'm following what, you know. And even my estimation of them and, you know, the way I see them will be based on what they've written. You know, based on what they have said and I've seen what they have said and therefore I have now looked at what they've said and said, I like this person because I like what he says. You're here. So that's why there's this real problem we're having here. And Jesus is saying, you guys don't even realize what you're doing right now. The very, the, the very foundation upon which you build your beliefs, the very foundation upon which you say, I am a follower of Moses, doesn't exist. That basis is what his writings are. So we see so many examples of this. And I'm going to give you examples of this. That is uh, references to Christ throughout the Old Testament, beginning with the most prominent one of all in Genesis 3.15. Remember that Moses wrote the Pentateuch. Do you all know the Pentateuch? Genesis, okay, Exodus, and so on, okay? So remember, Genesis is one of his books that he wrote, okay? So, so it is he who penned, all right? In Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. And then he says, He, referring to the Messiah, shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. 
So it was very clear that somebody was coming, amen, that would, that would literally, it's a funny thing, you know, <laughs> this is just when the devil thought he won. And God comes down and just rips that victory away from him. Straight away. I mean, you know, that quickly, when, just when the devil is celebrating and going, yay, we, we've got a victory here, we've got in, and blah, 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 here comes the word of God. And God just says, you know what, somebody's coming. They're going to take you down. They're going to crush your head. Which means, and we need to understand what that head means as well. It's more than just taking the devil's power away from him, so to speak. It is actually crushing his organization as well. All the things that Paul talks about, all the principalities and powers and everything else, can be taken. That's what we need to understand when he said this. He was going to take everything down. Which is the reason why when he came and he started casting out demons, remember they would scream and yell and just depart and they'd be going saying, we know who you are. You know, have you come to judge us before the time? They knew this was the, the person from Genesis 3.15 that, was, that had turned up. And, and he was taking them down, left, right and center. He was literally crushing the head of the enemy. All of his forces come to bear. Now it's interesting that the things that finally that he allowed to take his life. Remember he said, it's my life, I can take it up, I can give it, it's mine to do it as I wish, so to speak. So when we look at that situation, we'll look at more of this when we get towards the crucifixion of Jesus. The way the devil moves, you know, he couldn't move through all the, 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 the possessed people, so he goes to all the people that he influences, people that decide to side with him, that decide to go against their own Messiah, that Jesus said, you are of your father the devil, and said, you are going to end up in hell the way you're going right now, because that's who your father is, and you're going to be with your father, which is incredible, you know, really, when you think about it. But anyway, so here we see that Moses, in his writings, in Genesis, tells us about Jesus. A second major reference to Christ is found in Genesis chapter 49 and verse 10, where Moses again writes and says, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will obey. Now that has to be Christ, because there's not going to be any one person all nations are going to obey. Remember, there's going to come a time when he will rule with an iron rod. We'll look at all the end time stuff. It's all, you know, my kids are waiting for all that to come. But, because <laughs> you know, uh, that gets very exciting and very interesting and, and, uh, and a little bit controversial as well, because there's so many different viewpoints on that. And when I get to that stage, uh, I will allow you your opinions, uh, honestly, because at, at that stage, I will do my best. All right, third reference. To Christ is found in Numbers 24, 17. Remember again, we are talking about the fact that Jesus said, if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. Remember that? So we're looking at all the places where he wrote about Jesus. So we're now we're going, as a third reference, we looked at Genesis, we looked at uh, 3.15, Genesis 49.10. Now we're going to Numbers 24 and verse 17. These are all from the Pentateuch, okay? He says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. And that was literally talking about Jesus Christ as well. Amen? As a fourth reference to Christ, we see Moses writing in Deuteronomy, chapter 18 and verse 15. So we're going to see two verses here. Uh, In fact, yeah, chapter 18, verses 15 and 18. That's the reason why... 
Okay, I've, I've included it uh, in the actual verse. The Lord your God, he says here, will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst. Notice the word prophet is a capital P. It's not a little P, okay? And he says, from your brethren, him you shall hear. Now in verse 18, he says, I will raise up from, for them a prophet, again capital P, like you from among their brethren, and will put my words in his mouth. Remember Jesus said, I only speak the things that the Father tells me to speak. I only do what I see my father doing, okay? All right. So he says, I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. So everything that Jesus said, that's why Jesus said, I don't, I'm not here to do my will, but the will of the father that sent me. And therefore, everything that followed in what he said and what he did came from the father. Which is the reason why that every time they accuse him of doing something that he says, you're breaking the law, he, Jesus says, even the father is now working. Which means <clears throat> the very things that you're saying that your law doesn't permit, God is actually doing. Which means your laws are wrong. Because the person that gave you your laws won't break those laws. So if you've misin- misinterpreted those laws, and, you know, I mean, any science, you know, anybody that does proper science, if they see something contradictory to something that they believe is going to happen, but it happened another way, they go change what they've written originally. Because they say, well, obviously, the, you know, uh, in doing the experiment, we find that what we thought was going to happen didn't happen. <clears throat> so we obviously are wrong. Get it? Alright? And so Jesus is saying, you are seeing something. You have, you know, in fact, Nicodemus, one of the rulers of the Jews, had said, we know that nobody can do these things except God is with him. Which means they acknowledge that God was behind the miracles. Are we all with me? Then at the same time, they go and accuse Jesus of doing a miracle on a Sabbath day and breaking the law. Which they claim came from God. Which then Jesus said, no, that was God working. Which means that your law must be wrong. Are you all here? Amen? So we then take it one step further now. And he's taking it one step back from that and saying, where did you get your laws from to begin with? Where did God say all the things that you accused me of breaking? Now we're getting to Moses. Are you getting this? Because it was Moses that received God's law and wrote it down. Alright? So he's taken a step back even further and saying, you know what, I get it. You don't want to listen to John the Baptist. You can't hear the voice of God. You guys don't have any inner witness whatsoever, which is, tells me you're spiritually dead. For, for people that are meant to be leading Israel to God, you have nothing in you to do it with. Are you all here? Then he, you know, and so he's working his way through. He's saying, you know... Even if all of these other things are... The, the voice of God that came and said, Behold my son, you know, this is my son who, in whom I'm well pleased. All of that stuff. Get past all of that. Let's go back to the thing that you're constantly using against me, which is Moses. And what he wrote. And he's saying, you, you guys need to get something here that you've drifted away from that. And you haven't even recognized it when miracles have happened on days that you thought they shouldn't happen. They happened. They happened on the Sabbath. What does that tell you? If your law says it shouldn't, and it does, hello? Okay. So, there's, it's coming to a big statement. Alright, we're going to finish with a big statement. As compelling as these references are, as William Hendrickson points out, the entire Pentateuch 
and not only the Pentateuch, but the entire Old Testament points forward to the coming of Christ and definitely prepares the way for his arrival. Therefore, when Jesus said that Moses wrote about me, what he actually meant was whatever Moses wrote, and in fact everything he wrote, concerned the Christ. It was, it had to be, because it was all about redemption. From the very moment that people fell, it became about redemption. Are you all here? Amen? Okay. And, it was going, and, it was, and redemption was to happen in one person, Jesus Christ. Not in the sacrifices, not in anything else. It was Him. It was a person. Amen? So now we come to this final statement. Here it comes. Then Jesus goes in to conclude his argument in John 5 and verse 47 by saying there, If you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? I've underlined two things there. The key to this verse are the phrases, his writings, my words. Okay? They are very closely linked in that to believe one is to believe the other. To reject one is to reject the other. Amen? So let's, let, let me continue on and then I'll talk to you after this. William Hendrickson writes, As we see it, what Jesus meant was this. You Jews are always saying that nothing is as sacred as the written Torah. Though in actual practice, you often seem to esteem the oral law above the written. Let me stop there for a minute. Do you understand the oral law? The oral law is the law that was passed down by the elders. Okay? And that's where the problems all started, really. Uh, as much as there was the written law, they would discuss and argue and, and talk about things and then come up with something. And then they would pass that something down. Okay? And so we, we'd have the written law. So what the oral law would do was it would refer back. You know, this is really, actually, let me take a moment with this. This might be important. <clears throat> what do we do when we preach right now? We always refer back to Scripture, don't we? We go back to what was written. Okay? Now, I can preach anything. I can get a few Scriptures and preach anything that I want, if I wanted, okay, based on certain Scriptures. The thing is, the Scriptures aren't in context now. They can't be in context. If I'm preaching something that is not right, then the Scriptures are no longer in context, which I'm using. The words are there, but they don't mean what, they literally, what, what they're saying in the way I'm saying that they are saying it. Uh, you all get that? Okay, sorry about that. got a little confusing there. Okay, so that's what Jesus is now referring back to. He is saying, listen, I understand that you can reference the things that your oral law says back to a written law. But the thing is that you took the written law and you changed it according to what you wanted to believe and pass on as an oral law. So if you really went back, now seriously, if you went back to that actual written law upon which the oral law is based, you'll probably find you got it wrong. It has to be. Because that, they shouldn't contradict each other. Do you all get what I'm saying? Okay? So this is, what, this is what we're realizing now, is that they got to a place where what they said, their oral law, became more important than what it was based on. So they didn't go back and look at what it was based on and say, now, are we getting it right? Let's go back and have a look at it because how dare you ever question some great rabbi because he has three doctorates after his name and whatever else. Seriously. Happens today. Okay? And so we just suck up everything. Oh, that's so-and-so. We have to believe everything they say. Oh, that's so-and-so. Oh, they're really big. Okay, we have to believe what they say. And so on and so forth. Even me. Don't believe everything I say. I might get it wrong and next week I'll change it. I'm serious, man. I mean, I'm, I'm at the place where, 
you know, I hold nothing sacred. <laughs> okay, so the only thing sacred is God and His Word. That's it. Me, I, you know. Okay, I do my best, but dear Lord, okay. And so, and I'm learning too. And I want you guys to be the same way. I want you to be able to look at something and go, "Oh, Pastor said this, but maybe he wasn't quite right." And, Amen. You know, if I'm not right, I'm not right. Amen. Let's move on. Let's get it right and move on. Because what I have learned is this: that the power is when is in being right. Can I say that? Things don't work when we get things wrong. If we misinterpret something, then the Word of God will not have the power behind it that it should for that word. Get it? So, that's what I've learned. I've learned that I can preach whatever I like, and I can believe with all my heart, but if the power isn't coming, I need to go back and examine what I'm, what I'm preaching, what I'm believing. Maybe I've got, or maybe I heard somebody else say it, and I just took it for granted that what they said was right. And so I'm trying to believe this, and I'm trying to work it, and it's not working for me. Are you all here? You know, I've learned a lot of different things. I don't want to go into too much detail, but, you know, people have access to power, not just because of the word they know, but because of the life they live. Do you all get that? So you can't say, well, Brother Copeland or you know, Brother you know, Duplantis or, or Brother um, Billy Graham or whatever, whoever you're, you know, okay. You know, they said that this scripture worked for them and it worked like this. So I'm going to make it work for me. Uh, go back and see what they did and how they lived. Hmm? Because God honors the person. And he sees where... See, take Billy Graham, for example. I don't think too many people will have too many problems with him. <laughs> I could quote somebody else and we might have a problem. Okay, let's just take Billy Graham, for example. All right? So something might work for him... Because we then read about his life a little bit and we find out that he was never looking to impress people. He was always, the, he had a humble heart before God, as far as I know. Okay, and he, he was the sort of person that wanted to do God's work more than show off or have a big anything. It was nothing like that. He just wanted to get people saved. His heart was for people. And so, obviously, when he does something, it works. Because his heart is right. Okay? Now somebody else might come along and go, Oh, Billy, this is Billy Graham's favorite verse. I'm going to use it. I'm going to have a ministry like Billy Graham. Blah, blah, blah. But see, now they want to have a ministry like Billy Graham. They don't want to have... They're not caring about the people. They want to have the ministry. Do you get it? Okay? And so now they go out. They go out and it ain't working for them. They're going to get discouraged. They're going to probably turn and do some, you know, say some things that aren't right. Because that's what people do when things don't work for them. You know, they start sort of saying, oh, well, this stuff isn't true. And, uh, you know, even though somebody else has proved it right because of a lifestyle, they don't want to compromise their lifestyle. And when I say compromise, I mean in a good way. <laughs> you know, there's compromising in a bad way, and there's compromising in a good way. And saying, listen, I can't live this kind of life. And expect these kind of results. I've got to change my life. If I want to get those results, this has to change down here. Amen? So that's, you know, I've given you a lot of things here. And I want you to see something in that these people that Jesus are accusing, these people that are accusing Jesus, and Jesus is in return accusing them, okay, are people that have looked at Moses did the things before God that were right. 
He had the right heart. When, when God said, I'm going to wipe everybody out, he said, don't. You know, let's not have people say you brought him out here just to kill him, you know, sort of a thing, you know. And so he had that kind of a heart. Do you think any one of these guys would have done that? They would have said, yeah, you know what, I thought so. Just kill them all, God. I know I'm perfect. Let's start with me. You know, that in itself was wrong. You know what I'm saying? So you can understand why it worked for Moses, why it's not working for them, because they don't have that humility. They don't have that heart. Amen? And Jesus is now saying, listen, all the stuff that... So you know what we do... Let me give you one more thing and finish here. What we do is when things don't work, we then start to explain them away. We say things have passed away. We say things like, oh, God did it before. They did it with those particular apostles or whatever. But it's not for today. doesn't matter. It's happening next door. We don't want to see that. That's all wildfire. Okay? <laughs> okay? We, we just want to say that, oh, that was, that's passed away. Because that works for us because nothing's working for us. So we have to explain why nothing will work and then explain to everybody to justify ourselves why it won't work in their life either. And then take faith away from everyone trying to believe God. Amazes me how people will write stuff based on their experience and their interpretation based on their experience of the Word of God. It's incredible. Amen? Let's not be the people that do that. Amen. All right, let me. Um, I was in the middle of this. Let's take a break. Come back because I might have a little bit more to say about this, and uh, then we'll have a shorter session in the next session. All right, take a break.